This is a Federal News Network podcast. It's time for Fed Talk, the live show for Feds in the Know. From federal agencies to Capitol Hill, the attorneys of Shaw, Bransford, and Roth bring in experts from across the federal community to bring you inside the issues. Fed Talk is meant to provide general information about legal issues. However, the views expressed in this program are not intended to provide legal counseling. Listeners are cautioned not to rely upon any statements made in resolving legal issues they may face, but instead to consult with their own attorney about specific situations. Attorneys are not engaged in providing legal services while appearing on the program and are not responsible in any manner for the consequences that may stem directly or indirectly from reliance on any statement made during this program. Good morning and welcome to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. Uh, it is, I think, going to become um, an annual show for me, uh, for us to have and for me to host. Um, we're calling it today Partnering to Improve Public Service. It's really a show um, centered around the summit that the Senior Executive Association puts on. Um, now, I think it's 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 going to be its third year, um, um, not next week, but in two weeks. And so we've brought in the president from the Senior Executive Association and one of um, one of SEA's partners and one of SEA's corporate sponsors, um, <clears throat> which is why we call it partnering to improve public service. Um, starting with, we have Bill Valdez, who is the president of the Senior Executive Association, and he has had that position since September 2016. And I've known him for a few years since. And I must say, he's a good friend of mine. Good morning, Bill. Well, thank you, Deborah. Happy to be here. Yeah, and. Um, it's the uh, summit um, for the Presidential Rank Awards, and we will get to that in a moment. Um, it's one of the most, I think, um, heartwarming um, um, events that I go to um, to hear um, the however many dozens of federal executives who um, the work that they've done um, for the betterment of all of us. And um, I really look forward to it every year. One of their um, partners this year for the summit is Terry Girton, who is the president and CEO of Napa. If you are in the know, we call it Napa. And if you if you Google Napa, you get um, wine country. So um, it's really uh, it's an acronym for National Academy of Public Administration. And Terry has been in that position since January 2017. Um, and before that, um, she did over a decade in the senior executive service. Um, and so a perfect partner for the SCA Summit. Good morning, Terry. Good morning, Deborah. And welcome to the show. This is, um, I've, I've met Terry a couple of times, but it's the first time we're actually working together. That's right. It's great to be here. Yeah. And um, Napa um, has um, just um, recently issued something that we're going to talk about that relates back to the content of the SCA Summit. They recently released um, what they've called their Grand Challenges. If you go on their website while you're listening to us and you look at the Grand Challenges, um, it's quite impressive what these folks have put together over at Napa, and Terry's going to talk with us about that too. And um, one of my dear friends, but um, also from a company that does really great work to support um, the federal community, long-term care partners. We have Joan Melanson, who's the Director of Program Promotion. Good morning, Joan. Welcome back. It's uh, wonderful to be here, as always, Deborah. Um, uh, nice working together. Yeah, and 
Um, I must. I want to remind our listeners that Long Term Care Partners is also a sponsor of Fed Talk. Long Term Care Partners has been a longtime corporate um, um, sponsor for the Senior Executive Association, and um, they are again this year at the SCA Summit. and um, And Joan will be talking and explaining to our listeners why long term, you know, what is Long Term Care Partners, and why they are have been such a um, consistent and historical sponsor to SCA. So we um, we're going to start with um, the SCA Summit. And um, so we're going to go to Bill for that. And so briefly, Bill, for the listeners who might not know what the Senior Executive Association is, a brief on that and then um, what the summit is about and why you should attend. Well, thank you. Yeah, the we call it the Presidential Rank Awards Leadership Summit. It is the third year we've done it. And it celebrates the accomplishments of the – Uh, very few, less than 1% of the senior executives in the federal government who are given on an annual basis what is a presidential award. It's the highest award that any career SES can receive in the federal government. You have to accomplish amazing things to become a, a presidential rank award winner. But what we And there are two two categories to the award. Um, Distinguished and meritorious. And um, Terry, I read your bio, and for I didn't go through your whole bio on air, but for our listeners, when they click into your website, Terry is a um, an award winner in both categories during her public service. Correct. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, nice job. Thanks. <laughs> it's 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 clear why um, why you would become the CEO and president of Napa as you know as Bill has become president of SCA. So. Um, an actual award winner is with us, but not not for the 2019 award. <laughs> no, mine um, were a, a few years back. Yeah, but there's no greater honor than to to do the work that you're called to do, um, and then be recognized for it is really um, icing on the cake. Yeah, and and Bill um, has um, when he became president of SCA, it, he he developed this idea of the summit, opening up to any attendee so they could see the award winners and mm-hmm. and and hear the work that they've done. Well, not just see them, but also learn from them. Uh, so the summit is part educational, part policy discussion, uh, and part networking uh, so that the attendees, and by the way, anybody can register and attend uh, for the summit, uh, but they uh, have an opportunity to listen and learn from the award winners themselves. So this year we have 147 uh, award winners. Uh, about 120 of them are will be at the summit participating in various ways. And it's just an extraordinary opportunity, particularly for uh, young career leaders who are just setting out on their leadership journey to interact and to learn from the Presidential Rank Award winners themselves. Yeah, and the nice thing about the summit um, is uh, for, those of, for those looking – to hear and learn and see these winners is that there are two events at the summit. There's the luncheon and the dinner um, where the um, if, if you're looking for inspiration of the really good work federal workers do, you um, each award winner's name is read. And I think, Bill, somehow you condense their years of service into like three sentences <laughs> about their accomplishment that got them the award. Right, exactly. And you have people who have, you know, led the response 
to the bioterrorism threat coming from 9-11 or people who, you know, led the effort to, um, you know, transform uh, the processes at the Department of Defense that produce the war fighters that save our nation. I mean, it's just it's it's just extraordinary. Mm-hmm. It really, it's uh, and and then to hear like 120 of them read, mm-hmm. and you get this feeling for the uh, volume and the breadth and the depth and the good work that the federal employees really do. Yes, I'd like to make a comment about that. Um, not having been um, a federal employee working with the government, but having worked now with uh, LTC partners for 17 years. I was struck by the contributions that uh, federal workers have made, and particularly when I attend something like one of these summits uh, to hear the accomplishments. And I think, why doesn't the world know this? I mean, federal workers seem to be um, suffering a lot of um, abuse. <laughs> uh, there, people say they they're way too entitled, and they don't, you know, really deserve to get the benefits and the kinds of things that they get. And I was sitting there and saying, my goodness, the world should know about the kinds of, of contributions that these folks are making. I'm, I'm very humbled when I attend. Yeah, it is. It's humbling and inspiring. And um, um, at those two parts of the, um, of the summit, the luncheon and then the uh, dinner portion where the names are read off and they get their award. And like I said, it's like three sentences where they condense this enormous work that they've all done. Um, And um, we're going to have Bill go through um, some of the educational and policy training and tracks that are available if you're interested in attending the summit. But we are going to take our first commercial break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm hosting today's show. I'm Deborah Roth. Today's show is partnering to improve public service, um, sort of focused on um, one event in particular, which is the upcoming Senior Executive Association's Presidential Rank Award Leadership Summit. Um, and with us to talk more about it is the president of SCA, Bill Valdez. You know what, Bill? We haven't told people the where and the when and the how you sign up. Oh, well, all you have to do is go to www.presidentialrankawards.com, and signing up is very easy. Um, uh, So you can do it online, and we welcome everybody uh, who wishes to attend and learn. It's on, um, it's two weeks, it's 10 days. Well, it's uh, December 17th. Yeah, is that a Tuesday or a Wednesday? It's a Tuesday. Tuesday. All-day event. Um, starts at 8 a.m. in the morning and goes till 7.30 in the evening. And it's an incredibly jam-packed uh, event. I mean, anybody who's been to this, uh, you, don't, you don't sit down because there's so much exciting stuff happening all the time. Uh, that Give you, us a preview of what the day looks like. So we start with a, uh, 
uh, opening ceremony, uh, we have Dr. Francis Collins from NIH, who is our first keynote speaker, uh, acting Acting Secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf, uh, will deliver a keynote as well. Both of them will focus on, you know, why career leaders are important in the federal government. And then we'll go to another keynote uh, from uh, Bill Eggers, who is a futurist, about how technology and uh, demographic changes in the work in the workforce are going to influence leadership practices in the federal government. Uh, very exciting stuff. Very futuristic uh, kinds of things. Uh, then we'll skip into our first round of policy and uh, training panels, and uh, then we'll go to the ceremony at the lunch for the pres- the meritorious. It's the one I love. Yeah. <laughs> it's just amazing. <laughs> the meritorious winners. And, you know, I, I really appreciated, Joan, what you were saying about, you know, how extraordinary it is for people who are not familiar with the Presidential Rank Awards. But one thing we always try to emphasize is, is that, you know, you have this small number of executives who have won these awards, but there are huge teams of other career civil servants who are working with them. And so to a person, when you talk to the presidential rank award winners, they'll say, I could not have done this without my team. And that team, you know, is another huge cadre of dedicated civil servants. So we'll have the lunch. Uh, It's an extraordinary, you know, celebration. Margaret Weikert, who's the Deputy uh, Director for Management at the Office of Management and Budget, will talk uh, at the, as the keynote there. And then we'll go for some more uh, policy and educational panels. Uh, and then we will end the day with uh, uh, the reception dinner for the distinguished executives who are really the, the pinnacle of career leadership. And actually, during the day, I believe, Bill, um, you have one or two um, um, pretty robust networking sessions yep. where you're not actually in a panel or in a session. It's a, ming- it's a mingle and a jingle. Mm-hmm. Um, but it allows hundreds and hundreds, you know, in the, in the past few years, you've had hundreds and hundreds of attendees, um, all sort of, uh, you know, the top echelon of the government workforce um, in one venue, I think, which is pretty much a rarity that they would all be able to be in one place um, meeting and hearing from each other. And so I think you have a couple of big networking sessions, too. It's it's almost like the Oscars, you know, uh, where you, you go, wow, I'm in the same room as, you know, <laughs> you know, this superstar. And, you know, these are superstars in the in the federal world. And I can't tell you how many times, you know, people come up to me and go, I, I, I just met, you know, <laughs> you know, so-and-so. I just it, met it, Terry Gurn. Yeah. <laughs> she well, won met Bill Valdez. Right. Yeah. So, you know, it's, a, it's quite the experience because it's the largest collection yeah. of senior executives in Washington, D.C. at any given yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, it's the pinnacle of the senior career leaders. Yeah. And we have a huge number of rising leaders, you know, who come. And these are people who, you know, maybe occasionally see these individuals in the, wa- in the hallways and that sort of thing. 
but to be actually able to go up to them and and shake their hands and and talk with them about you know what they've done is just an extraordinary experience and so we also have flash mentoring where the the presidential rank award winners will participate and so they can spend time with the presidential rank award winners then it's just a, an incredible experience yeah no it is um it's more it, you know i don't want to just diminish it by saying it's a feel good experience um it's uh, building on what Joan said. You know, it it's really um, and it's something. Bill it was your brainchild um, mm-hmm. because we've only had three of them. This is um, the the president statutorily gives out these rank awards every year, um, and unless somebody does a public recognition, the public would not know um, that these awards have been given. So these awards really are the award of the president of the United States, and um, and. You know, the SEA does us all a great service by giving us a venue where we can really hear in one place sort of the condensed view of what is government, what is the good stuff government's been doing. Um, and then for the attendees, I think those those um, uh, networking and mentoring sessions um, bring real value to somebody who wants to attend. Um, and I've mentioned Terry now a couple of times. Um, NAPA, uh, the National Academy of Public Administrators, is... Um, um, a collaborate, collaborator on a couple of the um, and contributor of content on a couple of the panels um, and Bill, I think the one that you wanted our listeners to focus on um, or to hear about was um, the future, one of your tracks is the future of human capital delivery um, and um, that, co- that sort of um, coincides, Terry, with um, one of the things we're here to talk to Napa about, which is one of the 12 great challenge, grand challenges that, that was identified by Napa. And um, so why don't the two of you explain to our listeners what, what we're going to hear about on that track? Okay. Well, uh, I'll start, but, you know, Terry is an important partner in this era, in this effort. So what we try to do at the summit is highlight um, big-picture government-wide efforts that the Senior Executives Association, in partnership with you know groups like the National Academy of Public Administration, are working together on, and this is one of the big areas that we're going to focus on in 2020. Um, we've come to the conclusion at the Senior Executives Association that the human capital delivery system in the federal government is is broken. Uh, we're not getting the right people into the right jobs in the right agencies at the right time. Yeah, and so. Uh, this is an effort that we formed ourselves in partnership with NAPA, but also with the Partnership for Public Service and some other thought leaders to just reimagine, uh, you know, what it would take to have an effective human capital delivery system in the federal government. And so, Terry, I'll hand it over to you. And, and Terry, that it, it, all of what Bill just said is um, I think two of your, um, is it involved two of your grand challenges? Well, certainly it's most closely aligned with um, our grand challenge to modernize and reinvigorate the public service. Um, And so the Academy and the Senior Executive Association have built a really strong partnership over the last few years. We have a lot of common interests and this one is right at the center. The grand challenge for us in this space is uh, we're looking at the public service at all levels. So federal, state and local thinking about how we bring people into public service um, that have the right skills and talents and abilities to lead government into the future, how we increase public service motivation, how we manage the public servants once they're in um, this space. 
the Academy's done a lot of work mm-hmm. on re-envisioning the federal civil service in particular, and we have a couple of papers called No Time to Wait, re-envisioning um, public service for the 21st century that really get after our vision of what a future federal civil service could look like. So we're really um, delighted to partner with SEA in this particular um, track in the in the conference and in the in the conversation itself. Yeah, and there's there's one other track um, that that Terry actually you're a panelist on, um, which may have come as a surprise to you this morning. <laughs> but um, but um, Terry's a very busy woman. If you go on Napa's website and you um, go to their grand challenges page, you will see why Terry's a very busy woman. Um, she um, she and her 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 limited team. Um, it's a, it's a robust team, but it's limited considering what the grand challenges are. Um, you know, want to take on the next decade in the 21st century and really reform government's relationship to its citizens. And so it's okay that you may not have you may have forgotten that you were a panelist. I knew I was on, a, I I was on the panel. Um, and, and Bill, that panel that panel is um, the enterprise risk management panel. Tell yeah. us about that one. Well, it's part of the general theme of the conference. So the theme of, of, the, of the conference, or the summit. Summit. Yeah. The summit is, uh, the theme is the future of public service leadership. And so what we want to highlight are the things that will enable us to restore an ethic of public service leadership in the federal government. And it's closely related, of course, to the grand challenges. Um, we are... Uh, thinking about not just how to, you know, restore that ethic, but what are the elements of restoring that ethic? And we believe very firmly that you have to give public service leaders the appropriate tools to manage the workforce, to manage the agencies, and to deliver greater value to the American taxpayer. So this is part of our, you know, what are the tools that are necessary to uh, enable public service leadership to be implemented. And as most of you probably know and realize, uh, the government currently is pretty risk adverse. Uh, it's very conservative. Uh, it's not terribly agile. It's not terribly uh, embracing of innovation and risk. And so what that, the- that kind of was okay in a, an economy and a society, that had a sort of low technology footprint, but technology, you know, because we're all around the table around the same age group. And so we remember growing up and being adults with very low technology and the pace of life and the pace of work was much, much slower. Um, but with technology, there is this, ex- there, is, there is an absolute expectation at work and in the greater society of instantaneous engagement and performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's in many parts of our economy, not just the government, it's a little hard to keep up with that, you know, um, that instantness. And of course, what the government does is so much different. And I don't want to say it's more important than what other parts of our, uh, our society do, but it is really important stuff what it does. And, um, you know, do you really want DOD to be that, you know, that quick to respond, you know, sometimes being um, more thoughtful and cautious um, is in our national interest, but it's that balancing that feels a little out of whack, Bill. That yeah. with the government and their. I mean, you're absolutely correct. It and but it's all about informed risk, the appropriate risk. I mean, wouldn't you agree, Terry? I would. I mean, 
the risks are, are what we tried to capture in the grand challenges, but underneath those grand challenges are what we call core management principles. And they're really sort of the practice of government that's going to help um, resolve some of those grand challenges. And two of them are managing um, amongst risk and uncertainty and um, conducting business in a in more agile, agile manner, yeah. right? And so it's all- Which were the two things, two of the things that Bill just mentioned. Right, right. And so that risk aversion that you were talking about in today's um, society actually induces risk into the system. So how do we teach our current public administrators to manage in a networked way, in an agile way, so that they can respond more quickly? And how can they do that with an understanding of the risks that help them prioritize solutions? So yeah, we're really, they, again, I think it's a really important discussion. And their risks are very different than the risks that maybe a big corporation with a big footprint sure. over the economy um, you know, has and their leaders have to grapple with. The risks of a public administrator, particularly in the federal government, Terry, they're like, you know, how transferable are they to like bringing in private sector thought leaders? Well, I think there's a lot to learn from both, right? So um, one of the key facets for us in how we're going to solve some of these grand challenges is to bring the whole public, private, nonprofit, um, government sectors together because there is much to learn from each other but there are also innovations in every one of those sectors that you want to pull together, learn from each other, think about how you move forward in a better and integrated way. So um, um, for those folks, um, Bill, who are interested in signing up for the summit, um, registering, remind everybody of the website that they can go to, or they could just Google. Yeah, but it's www.presidentialrankawards.com. Very easy to remember. Yeah, it's December 17th. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an all-day event. It's held at the Mayflower Hotel. It's um, um, And you get two meals. You get lunch <laughs> and dinner. Um, so uh, we do have to take our mid-show break. You're listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth. One team working all three branches. Judicial, legislative, executive. Judicial. SB&R employment attorneys offer specialized legal representation for federal managers. Legislative. Lobbyists in government and public affairs advocating for corporate clients. Executive. Produces two free weekly newsletters, Fed Manager and Fed Agent. Shaw, Bransford, and Roth is your one destination for all three branches of government. Online at shawbransford.com. SB&R. Client-focused. Results-driven. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting today's show. It's a show of partnering for the improvement of public service. We spent the first part of the show um, talking with Bill Valdez, who's the president of the Senior Executive Association, about the upcoming Senior Executive Association 
Presidential Rank Award Summit, um, of which our, one of our other guests, Terry Girton, who is the president and CEO of Napa, will be a panelist on. Um, and um, I'd like to also speak now with one of the corporate sponsors, Bill, of the summit. And um, one of your corporate sponsors, who's been a, a corporate sponsor of SEA for many, many years, is LTC Partners and Joan Melanson, who is the director of program promotion um, and who has attended the summit, because I've seen her there the last three years. We have Joan here with us today to talk about, first, um, you know, why long-term care partners chooses to um, be a sponsor of um, the summit. Well, we just, we heard from you earlier, Joan, about your attendance at it. Well, absolutely. As I've mentioned um you know, I've been personally very impressed with the contributions and the accomplishments of the federal government. And in fact, LTC Partners um, is an organization um, and, and formed back in 2002. Our market is the federal civilian and their family members and the military as well. So we have a very, very big market out there. And it's all about public service because the, um, the feds, including the uh, members of the uniformed services, all serve this country. And that is our market for two programs. We administer Benefeds, which is the um, uh, website that you use, and we're currently in open season, to enroll or make changes to your dental and vision benefits, and that includes the retired military, uh, which which happened last, last year, the transition. And we have the federal long-term care insurance program. Yeah. And so, Joan, open season, I think we agreed, goes to Monday the 9th? It goes to Monday the 9th. And that gives you the opportunity to make to either enroll in uh, their 10 dental plans, well, 10 dental carriers. They're more than that for plans and for um, vision carriers with multiple plans. Um, you can enroll in either the dental or vision plans or make any changes. And we always suggest... You know, if you don't do anything, it just continues with what you had last year. And the majority of people are, it's working fine, and they don't do anything. But we always suggest it doesn't hurt to shop. Mm-hmm. It doesn't cost you anything. You go online. You take a looky. People forget that their needs change over time. They could save money if they looked at what they had currently. Because, you know, if you're, if you're enrolling for your family members, your kids grow up. And their needs change. And then you look at it and you turn around and say, well, I can make some changes that will save me money. And on benefits, um, not only because I went on it last night, not mm-hmm. only do you get to look at and compare the plans for dental and vision, but can't you also look at the medical plans? You can do that on, on the um, virtual benefits fair. And that's a tool that LTC Partners has put together to make it easy for folks to compare. It's an educational tool because our whole mission is education. We're trying to help uh, the feds uh, and, and and include, again, the, the military make informed decisions about their benefits um, because that's, you know, when you serve your country, you're entitled to benefits. And we want to make sure that, that you make the right uh, informed choices. If you go on to our... Um, uh, site either the um, LTC Feds that's www.ltcfeds or www.benefeds. You will see a link there to the virtual benefits right, fair. Right, that's what I saw. And the virtual benefits fair not only has information about all of the dental plans 
and the vision plans. It also contains a number of health insurance plans. What we're trying to do is make it a one-stop shop where it's easy. All we're doing is aggregating the information from all the different carriers, and we're putting it in one spot. So you have, a- And the spot's no longer, Joan, the cafeteria of the uh, agency where federal employees used to have to go down to the health fairs. Um, to get information. Come on, we all remember those days. You've it was heard, in the cafeteria. You've heard my spiel, and we we still go out to so many of the health fairs, and and we we're everywhere, all over the country, and we're there to to educate and answer any questions. Having said that, the times they are a changing, mm-hmm. and not everybody comes in and sits at their desk, and then will go down to the fair in the cafeteria during their break. They don't do it anymore. We have a lot of people that are remote workers. We have a lot of the federal um, agencies that um, the offices are all over the country. And uh, with hoteling and everything right now, people aren't coming in. There isn't space. People want to work from home. You know, things that are important to people um, now are very different than what was important then. And with the technology that you mentioned the before, you can that. Work, work anywhere yeah. at any time. And many of us do work anywhere at any time. So there's a good news and a bad news element. Yeah, and and benefits the um, the platform and the amount of information in the last, I don't know, however many years, just a few years, the um, the complexity of it and, and the userness of it, the user-friendliness of it is really just, because I was on it last night, it was really just quite impressive. Um, and so they, and, and the other nice thing about it is they can go on any time of day, any day of the well, week. That's an right? important it's point. Saturday or Sunday, which is why we still have you on the show because Monday is the end of open season. You make an excellent point. I mean, before you'd have to call, or you'd have to get hard copies, you'd have to mail everything in. Come right. on, everybody's nodding here. You're all in my age group. That's how we did things. Now you go online, day or night, and. Let's face it, a lot of benefits are chosen with your spouse or partner. And you're sitting together and you're saying, what makes sense for this family unit? And and you want to do that on weekends. You want to do it on in evenings. And you want to do it when it's convenient. We still have phone a, a call center, don't get me wrong, for people who want to, to call. But the technology is such that everything is there. And we try to make it easy. And you can not only do it at a computer, you can do it on your um, on your phones. Everybody has a phone. And it's so easy to enroll. Yeah, they're not on really phone. phones. Let's be honest with each other. Yeah, they're mini they're computers. Mini computers You're right. Absolutely <laughs> yeah. right. And uh, you do and, everything. And it took like you know that that version of the computer took um, took Americans to the moon. Um, but we can't talk to LTC partners um, today without giving you an opportunity to talk about your new product, which you you told me about a couple months ago, um, and I thought it was super cool. It makes me want to become a federal employee because I just want to buy the product. Um, you call it LTCP 3.0. Yes, actually, it's FLTCIP, F-L-T-C. the Feldsip. No one can remember it. The, the Feldsip 3.0. Um, we had Feldsip 1.0. We had Feldsip 2.0. We're in at 3.0. Very, very exciting names, but it does the <laughs> trick, you know. Um, easy to remember. It <laughs> is easy to remember. The, what we've done, and, and the reason it is one, two, and three, is that we've only made minor enhancements to what I think is a very, very strong, robust product. And why do I say that? We are unique in our home health care coverage. Not only do we um, cover folks at home through licensed home health care agencies, 
but we have informal care, which means family member and friends, the old Verizon plan, family member and friends can come in and take care of you. It can't be a spouse, someone who's living with you at the time, but someone, a a sister, um, a a friend, someone from the church can come in and we pay them to take care of, of you at home. And right now, and we pay, are paying about $23 million in claims per month. It's $23 million per month. Those baby growing. boomers, right? Oh, those baby boomers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and that's going to keep growing. The majority of, of care is at home and in the community. Only 8% in a nursing home. Because why? Nobody wants to be in a nursing home. Nobody wants. Everyone wants yeah. to be at home. Everyone and the, and that's where the cry is now. I want to be at home. We offer caregiving training to help people learn how to do it. We have a stay-at-home benefit. There are just a lot of nice features. So we've kept all the good things about the product, but we've added In the something. 3.0. In the 3.0, but we've added something that is really cool, and that is called Premium Stabilization Feature, PSF, because everything has to have a, an acronym, yeah, PSF. Um, the PSF is a feature um, and think of it as a shock absorber on a car. It will protect the benefits that you have. And how does it do that? It is a mechanism for looking at the program um, experience or results and projections. And and the actuaries look at our experience fund, look at the money that comes into the FELTSIP every six months. And they will look at that amount, that percentage that we have in there, and they'll adjust it either up or down, reflecting what's going on. So it's like a car, a shock absorber on a car. You, you, you will have little bumps, but you won't be hitting them real hard. In terms of um, increased, increased premium. Increased premium. Because we did a lot of research with, um, with folks that are currently in the program, as well as people considering the program. And we said, so what, what do you think about, about uh, the, the product or long-term care in general? And they, they cited two things that were important to them. We don't, you know, the guaranteed rate isn't important to us. It's we don't want big swings, wild street, uh, swings in premiums that we can't plan for. That really doesn't help in predictability. We want predictability. And the other thing is that, you know, a use it or lose it. We pay for so many years. The average age of purchase is uh, 52, and you're going to be using this in your late 70s. So that's a real long time when you're sitting there at 50 feeling great and thinking about retirement and and life is great. And I'm saying, well, why don't we think about what might happen when you're in your late 70s and, and the smiles go away and people are not looking very happy. Um, and you're paying for all that time. It's kind of nice that if you don't use the benefit, you may receive some of, of it back, some percentage of the premiums you paid into as a um, death benefit or to help defray the costs of your um, premiums. So we came and up- And that, that's in 3.0. 3.0. And I would like to, you know, I heard about- I forgot you know, about that nice- um, The government is, as you mentioned before, not always um, innovative. But I, have to I didn't a, say that. Bill Valdez said Bill that. Bill Valdez. Let me get this great. But I have to say, OPM, let's give credit where credit's due here. First of all, OPM um, did look at long-term care as a benefit that would help attract and retain folks, particularly people like Terry who have served in the, in the um, military service 
and then decided they wanted to enter the government. If you have really good, you know, you could for social, for federal service, you can um, help attract people by your good benefit programs, whether if it's, whether it's FEHB or long-term care insurance. Some of those benefits are important as a recruiting tool. Um, So, you know, they were very innovative in, in introducing this program back in 2002. But this particular product, the premium stabilization feature, is, a, is really innovative and creative in the industry itself to try to address the issue of these spikes of rate increase. I'm not saying they're going to go away necessarily, but it's really trying to take a very dicey issue and address it head on. So for, so for our listeners who are interested, Joan, in looking at this new product, what website do they go to? They go to www.ltcfeds, www.ltcfeds. And if, as you look at our tools, and we have great educational tools, we have webinars and we have various um, uh, tools to try to help you decide if this program makes sense to you. We also have a premium calculator, and you can apply online. Or you can call our 800 number, well, and that's um, 1-800-LTC-FEDS. We try to keep it easy. 1-800-LTC-FEDS. And we have consultants. They're not on commission. They'll answer any questions. Some people say, I'm, I'm looking at a, and we say, look outside of the private market, too. And they'll look at, we'll help them work through what's happening, you know, what's in this policy versus the federal program, very different kinds of features. We help people work through whether insurance makes sense for their needs, and if so, does the federal program make sense for them? So um, for our listeners who are federal employees, um, I always encourage them to, to look at the product um, because us in the private sector, um, we don't have that kind of opportunity for the sort of the complexity and the robustness of the product at the premium rates that you guys are able to get in the federal sector. So we always like to have long-term care partners on to explain this to federal employees. We're very fortunate to have that kind of benefit. Um, we are going to take our last commercial break. Um, and when we come back, we are going to speak more with Terry Girton of Napa on their identification of the 12 grand challenges facing our country you are listening to Fed Talk on Federal News Network, 1500 AM. Make long-term care insurance part of your retirement plan. Long-term care is expensive, and it's not covered by traditional types of insurance plans. With benefits designed specifically for the federal family, the Federal Long-Term Care Insurance Program offers a smart way to help protect savings and assets and remain independent should you need long-term care services someday. Start planning for the future. Take the next step and visit ltcfeds.com today. That's ltcfeds.com. Welcome back to Fed Talk. I'm Deborah Roth. I'm hosting and almost finished hosting today's show. It is a show on partnering um, to improve public service. We spoke earlier in the show with Bill Valdez, the president of SEA, um, and the Senior Executive Associations Summit, which is on December 17th at the Mayflower. And we just heard from <clears throat> one of SEA's corporate sponsors, LTC Partners. Um, we did speak earlier with Terry Girton of Napa. Uh, Napa is participating in a couple um, in one of the tracks and has contributed content to several others. And we've alluded, Terry, to the grand challenges 
Um, and now we're going to talk to our listeners about the 12 grand challenges that NAPA has identified and how you even got to, um, because in the introduction, it, the effort that went into um, identifying him and then sort of pushing it out in writing seemed enormous. Well, we're really excited to release them. And so I do want to encourage people to read all about um, all 12 of them. Um, and they can do that on our website at www.napawash.org. Um, they are grand challenges in public administration. So that's really important. At, since we're the National Academy of Public Administration, we wanted to keep it focused um, on the role that public administrators can play in helping address these issues for the for the nation. But uh, we started actually in 2017. We did a series of seminars around the country that we called Governing Across the Divide. And we wanted to listen to what was going on in state and local governments and where innovation was happening. And that raised up for us this idea of dealing with grand challenges. And so in 2018, we announced um, a year-long effort to identify them. And we had a long period of public input, which was really, really interesting. Which, yeah, it was super uh, cool to invite, um, you know, sort of it's the new way of um, all of us engaging. Right, right, crowdsourcing. And um, so you gave this opportunity for the public. We want to hear from you, not just our own 800 and so academic fellows. And it was really influential because when you talk to public administrators, they all sort of have um, a very common perspective mm -hmm. of what public administration is. But when you open it to the public, we got a whole different it's uh, the customer. perspective right, on what people were hoping that public administrators would do for them. So we took all of that input and, and analyzed the themes that sort of emerged from that. And we formed a steering committee of uh, prominent folks from across not only the public administration field, um, especially at all levels of government, but we brought in folks from the media and from the science community and from really uh, related fields to make sure that we didn't miss anything. Um, and so that col uh, collaboration really got us to the set of 12 in the four focus areas about protecting and advancing democracy, strengthening social and economic development, ensuring environmental sustainability, and managing technological challenges. So now that we've released the list, we're excited to start to mobilize um, all aspects of the public administration community, both the practitioners and the academics and the customer as well, to start to drive um, and accelerate progress and solutions. Yeah, they're grand, I must say. Um, I was telling Terry before um, the show aired um, that I had re read the report on the grand challenges and um, it, I, I, without coming up with any other word, it's just brilliant how um, how you were able to, in a page and a half for each challenge, and there are 12 of them, how you were able to synthesize, arti articulate the challenge and synthesize all of the complexities of it into a page and a half. So for the people listening, um, you know, you are not reading a volume of information that feels very sort of PhD academic. It's a page and a half on each on each challenge, and um, and and several of them, you know, the space I work in, um, I'm familiar with, and I was just so impressed with how you were able to capture the complexity and the breadth um, of the of the challenge in a page and a half. Well, we really wanted to make it accessible because we want people to join us in this agenda. You know, our vision is that this is an agenda for at least the next decade and probably much longer, but we can't solve it 
just ourselves. We really need to mobilize the, the whole community, everybody that's interested in this. And so the, 12, the list of 12 is both focused enough that, that you don't feel like you're having to boil the ocean, but broad enough that people who are working in this space can find cover and integration with the projects that they're working on. So where we, um, as the Academy, really hope to take this is the hub of what will be a, a, a developing network. Uh, people who go on the website, if they're really motivated by one or more of the grand challenges, can sign up to be um, in the distribution network for the information that we'll start to publish. We really want to be connecting people who are working in this space, whether they're doing academic research or they're a city administrator and they've got a really great program that they want to make sure more people know about, uh, or they're international because um, these problems are, uh, while they're framed in a way that's about the United States, they are really international. Um, and the solutions will vary depending on which country you're trying to solve the problem in. So we're looking for really broad participation now in the solution development in the same way that we got broad participation in the problem formulation stage. So give our listeners, because you gave us sort of the four focus areas, um, but give our listeners a taste of, of some of that our, our particular audience might relate to. So one of the ones that I think is really interesting and and very connected to many of them is connecting individuals to meaningful work. Um, you know, it relates to it the- It reminds me of the EVS. <laughs> well, uh, except this is not focused just in the government, right? We're talking about how do we change um, the United States model for lifetime employment? What does that look like? How do you um, prepare people for the jobs of the future? How do you think about integrated economic development so that employers and education networks and populations are connected in localities? How do you think about lifetime learning? What does college education start to look like? What is meaningful work, right? And how, how do we set up a different model of work for people who are living longer, right? Mm -hmm. um, so that retirement is something not something that automatically happens at 62, but people can continue to contribute in a meaningful way over what are much longer lifespans in completely different models of work. So it's one that you don't think about as a public administration problem, but the workforce system in this country is, is a public administration issue. The education network is a public administration issue. The economic development is a public administration and, and issue. One of the points that you made, because I read, like I said, I read the 12 of them, and I was just so overwhelmed by it. One of the points you made in this particular challenge was that that's um, a, a good portion of our population through the recession um, becomes unemployed, doesn't reenter the workforce, and and focusing in the next decade on developing meaningful work for all helps all of us because you're bringing people back into the tax base. Like when they work, they pay income taxes, and there is a benefit to all of us to have all of us, as many citizens as possible, contributing to the to the financial support of our country. Absolutely. I mean, it's important to individuals. It's important to the health of communities. It relates directly into the other grand challenge about building resilient communities. How do you make sure that, and we're not just talking there about natural disasters, right? We're talking about really resilient and flexible and responsive communities. So are the social programs strong? Are the bonds strong? Um, do people have a motivation and a future in a community? Is there a tax base that can sustain the local infrastructure? And these are all at the root public administration issues. Public administrators have their hands on the controls of government that um, are driven by rules, regulations, and laws. They can make changes right now to help 
to really make progressive change that thinks forward as opposed to being focused on compliance and reaction. So the next step, now that you've got them on paper, the 12 grand challenges, your next step is? So we'll be spending the next year building out the baseline for every one of these, understanding what programs currently exist, who's working on them, what's happening, um, and developing some metrics by which we can evaluate progress over the next decade. And the second is building out the network for each one of those. So I really do. Your staff's not big enough. No, we aren't. And the Academy (laughs) can't drive the change in all of these. So on our website for every one of these grand challenges, I'm, I'm going to sign up. I want to encourage people to sign up and be part of Joan should that sign up for the um, one that, that involves uh, public-private partnering. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Because right. I think she would be, I'm going to recruit right now. Because <laughs> I think she would be <laughs> great. I think she would. I mean, she's at the heart of public-private. Well, and that's a big feature, too. It's not just people in the government because these require really new problem-solving ecosystems that include uh, private sector, nonprofits, mm-hmm government, education, everybody's got to be a part of this as we drive towards really new models of how we govern ourselves and how we deliver value for our citizens. Yeah, I think it's, it's we're changing the way um, we think about our country from being defensive to offensive. Like we, you know, we need to think about and get in front of these problems before they become, you know, um, unmanageable. Um, so we've encouraged all our listeners to go to your website. Thank you. Um, and sign up because I, I know I am. Great. And in our last few seconds, I want to remind everyone, Bill, um, to look at the SCA um, registration for the summit and join us at, on December 17th. And um, Joan, thank you as always for. And open season ends on Monday. Monday, December 9th. Yeah, absolutely. And while you're looking at your open season benefits, you can look at the federal long term care insurance program because you can apply at any time. 3.0, the new product. Pretty cool. And uh, Joan, we always thank you for being a sponsor of our show. Bill, good luck on December 17th and congratulations in advance. Thank you.